0: Welcome to The Road Less Traveled. I am your host, DB. And on today's episode, I'm going to talk about restitution. But before I get started, I would like to apologize for something I said on a previous episode. I said that I just had a public defender. And uh, one of my listeners, who was actually a former pen pal of mine while I was incarcerated, well, they are a public defender. And they took offense to that comment because, uh, well, you know... Not all public defenders are like the one that I had an experience with. He, the my public defender, at least in question, seemed to not who I was at times. He seemed to be bringing the wrong file, uh, which he admittedly like said, "Hey, I, you know, I don't have your stuff. Sorry, I made a mistake." Which, okay, a one time thing, sure. Multiple times, little disconcerting, my dude. Don't want to spend the rest of my life in prison. I did make a mistake, but I still valued my, you know, my life, myself. And I just didn't have confidence in him. Now, if I had my friend, I would like to say friend or pen pal, as uh, my public defender, well, I believe I would have had a much different experience. So I'm sorry I offended you. Um, And for any of my listeners that are out there, Uh, Public defenders, lawyers, attorneys, you're going to hear those different terms occasionally. All three of those things are the exact same thing. Uh, They do have like small little differences, but they are more or less the exact same. So anything a $20,000, $100,000 paid attorney or lawyer can do, guess what? Public defender can do the exact same thing. And some of them might even know their job a little bit better because they're in there. They're right down there in the middle of the courthouse with their office doing it private practice maybe they've been doing it for so long that they're removed from it i don't know people are just people at the end of the day so it is ultimately up to who you get it's somewhat luck of the draw if you get a public defender now i did switch over to a paid attorney and i felt that i was getting better representation um, but the whole experience was so, so confusing and so just disconnected. Like I had what I felt was almost no involvement in my own case. Like there was nothing I could do. It's not like I could go affect anything. I can't affect the outcome by doing uh, my own investigatory work or like my due diligence and researching stuff. I still tried to do those things. I researched the law. I looked up, you know, other cases, and it, it was what it was. There was almost nothing that I could do. So, I just, you know, I didn't have faith in my public defender. So, sorry, did not mean to offend all public defenders out there. Please forgive me. Now, getting back on topic. Today, I made the last restitution payment that I had to do. I wrote the last check and I put it in the mail and then parole and probation will be processing that hopefully in a week or two. So my financial obligation or my financial restitution has now been paid in full towards that family. Uh, I will say I absolutely do not know how to feel about it because to me, at least, I mean, it's arbitrary. It means nothing. I Great. I paid the family some money. Cool. Like that doesn't bring back their loved one. It doesn't heal the hurt that I've caused. It doesn't undo anything. It doesn't make them whole. You know, at the time of the accident, my insurance paid out $100,000 and I'm pretty fucking sure that family would have rather had their loved one. So paying up, you know, a little bit of restitution to cover funeral costs and some plane tickets to attend that funeral, which is what I was told that would go towards. You know, the family wasn't asking for some inflated number. And again, that's not really what the sentencing of those things is about. Sure, there will be some sort of financial restitution, maybe to cover like court fees, which, again, separate from your already court fees. But maybe there would be restitution to uh, if there was another vehicle damaged or if, say, there was street damage, like a light pole got knocked down or something like that. Um, but that's not what sentencing generally is about. You, Your crime, even though it's accidental, there was loss of life, so you have to be sentenced to prison. It's one of those strange gray areas as far as like how to feel about this because it was a class b felony and, but it was considered non-violent even though there was a death so i was allowed over time to go to a minimum security facility i was uh, allowed to do things but that's again a different episode but that's what i'm struggling with is the restitution side of things because i it's okay, good. Financial obligation fulfilled. But I feel I don't know selfish. I I feel maybe undeserving. Like because having now paid that back, I can save for a house, I can save to start my own family. I, um, you know, I can use that money that I will no longer have to pay for a lot of good things. And I just, I feel, I don't know. I just, I really don't know how to feel about that. Like I can only do better. So that is, I'm absolutely trying to do that. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's like, okay, it has to be for something, right? I have to continue to do good and i i have to not squander this second chance that i've been given and so that's again what the podcast is about because i'm trying to explore my own emotions and my own mental state just by talking about it because you know you read all these wonderful books or the self-help stuff or you talk about counseling or even watch some disney fucking movie whatever the answer's inside you the whole time if I've learned anything from all of those things, it is that the answer is inside you the entire time. So that's what I'm searching for. Some magical answer within myself. I think eventually what that would look like would be peace, right? Like a contented peace, like, like it's okay. So I'm looking for that. Maybe I'll find it. Come, come journey with me. But restitution, it was just a strange thing because I am jumping way ahead by doing this episode. But it's topical given that I was able to do that today. And I felt strange because I, sh- I shared that with friends. So they know. They probably don't know I'm doing this episode, but they'll find out. And they were proud about me or proud for me or f- both really. And I... I was appreciative because I was glad that I could finally share that. You know, progress isn't measured, at least with these things. It's usually measured by days and then weeks. That's how jail and prison kind of taught me. Like, just get through the day. Try to do enough or find something that is enough for that day to just focus on. Because you can't look towards weeks. You can't look towards months. And if you're looking towards years, you're going to drive yourself insane. So you just go day by day. And that is so hard sometimes. But time uncompresses when you get out. Everything starts moving a thousand miles an hour. And the world that you knew, at least, never waited for you. Nobody waited for you. Nothing stopped. Every single thing kept going just as fast as it always does. And you realize, I remember, uh, I think I actually said this in a previous episode, but like time is relative. So we feel like we don't have enough time and that's only because we're distracted. Oh, now I do remember. I did talk about this. So now that I'm back into a world of distractions, I have to catch myself every once in a while because I get desensitized too fast it's insane how fast we adapt and it's the best and the worst human nature for better or worse it's just it's our nature and so we can continuously remind ourselves that we are feeling how we should feel but since we are of sound mind and hopefully uh you know we have a little bit of Patience and maybe social skills built into us, we can have understanding to those emotions so we don't always have to act on them. And one example would be like coming out of uh, prison, I've waited five years, four months, had to wait through house dress, had to like wait through a mountain of paperwork to just be allowed out for maybe like an hour or two a day while on house dress, while wearing an ankle monitor. And Once that ankle monitor came off and things started slowly becoming more normal where I was allowed to go out, little things would crop up like impatience. And it was crazy to me because I'd be waiting in a line and I'd find myself impatient or something wouldn't load or work technologically and I would be frustrated or whatever. And I would be like, how is this happening? I put myself in a position where i was forced to wait by my own doing for five years and four months for freedom again and yet this thing doesn't work for like 10 seconds or i gotta wait a minute or two in line or traffic's building up and i'm just the passenger in the car can't drive so you know i can play on my phone i can do a million other things why why am i getting frustrated why am I getting impatient? If I can get out in 2020, or 2021, excuse me. And uh, I can look forward for two years, I'm gonna have to work for two straight years, really hard to repay this restitution. I and I did it. I worked like literally for, straight for two years, just hard, <laughs> making payments of five hundred to a thousand dollars a month to get this done, because I owed that. And so I I did it. I worked that hard, and I could look two years down the road and be like, "This is what that will be for." Yet, why why am I getting impatient? How is that even happening? And I started to realize. That is just a coping mechanism. All of those little things, like if you need to be patient, or you need to like lock yourself down, you need to harden yourself, you need to do something to get through. Your body will do that. Your body will adapt, but just as easily, it will also unadapt. Your body is basically fluid. Like you will mold to any situation, and some of us can do it better than others because some of us have been through more than others. So once you get down, you know, down the river in life a little bit, you're more malleable. Usually roll with the punches better. And that's probably where that saying came from. So I just, I need to get back to the restitution topic, but I'm so confused on it because during my sentencing, Like, I was told that my victim, she she loved hummingbirds. And so to honor her memory, like, I did vow that I would do something for that. And I have donated money to hummingbird sanctuaries on the side. And if you would like to, I encourage you guys to to do that as well. Uh, We did used to have a local sanctuary, a couple of them. COVID has messed up so many different things. So, uh you guys might have your own local hummingbird sanctuary. Not sure if they are regionally uh available, but I encourage you to go online and maybe make a little donation. You you won't know who it's for, but just have the thought of goodwill in your heart or in your head if you want to. So, that is more concrete as far as restitution for me that's something i would love to honor and keep going so the restitution was just a court ordered thing that was uh, just a i guess part of the system if you will but the more meaningful thing was something that isn't quite tangible because it's not something that i'm held to you know the court can't enforce me donating to a sanctuary like that it's not applicable and one of the, during sentencing when one of the victim's family members spoke against me or spoke out rather uh and they brought up the hummingbird sanctuary thing i in a very rare moment was allowed to address them and i was allowed to say that i would do that and i did but court at least in that moment it's you don't get to go back and forth you're not bandying words you're not talking directly to the family you are just standing there while they say whatever they want to say because it's not about you anymore it's about them and it's about their family member so to have a moment when the judge was allowed allowed me to respond it was incredible so that to me is more of a actual restitution. That's something where I can feel like I'm doing something good because I, I'm doing it without their knowledge. But it kind of, again, is slightly confusing because I shouldn't feel good. I i shouldn't like pat myself on the back like, hey, I'm doing this thing. It's, it's just, it's, it is, that's all it should be. It just is. This is what it is and it's so hard to make this podcast type thing because i don't want you know recognition or of whatever it would be i just want to get to that that okay point that it's it's all right so i've seen different restitutions and i guess i should speak about how it works and again i can only speak to my state so restitution is just laughable i know that's a strong statement but i will briefly (laughs) at least i'll try to be brief explain why so imagine if you will you are being sentenced you have been ordered to pay back x amount of dollars let's just say a nice flat fee of one hundred thousand dollars while you are then incarcerated you get sentenced you then go to prison During your prison sentence, if you have money on your account, otherwise known as your books, your commissary, your canteen, or your inmate account, if you have money there, every time money gets put on your account from an outside source, i.e. family or friends, or maybe even yourself, somehow, uh, anytime money gets put on your account, a portion of that will go towards your um, restitution automatically. In my state, it was anywhere from 10 to 50%. Upwards of 100%, depending on your crime, they actually took that away because you're not supposed to do that. More on that in a second. So restitution will be taken out of your inmate account. So if a friend or a family member puts money in your account, a portion of that's going towards your victim or your victim's family or whoever you owe money towards. Now... Some of that money will go in the inmate savings some of that will be available for spending. Uh, if you, an inmate works a job dependent I mean some jobs are paid like say a dollar a day, um, maybe a little bit more it just kind of depends. Uh, that always blew my mind. I didn't even realize they got paid. I didn't even realize it until like I got further in the system and they're like, oh no, you'll be working and you can get some money and then you can buy stuff uh, like you know. It's not much, so it's going to be a, a little bit of food to supplement yourself and some supplies. Now, nah, but that's set up for indigent people. Like it allows them some sort of routine, allows them to get some money uh, to support themselves. But a portion of that, if there is restitution involved, it will go towards restitution, which is great. I mean, it should. But let's say that uh, an inmate or felon gets out. Say they have one year of parole to do when they get out, and they still owe $90,000 of that $100,000. You have to make minimum payments, and on something that much, it would be a very high minimum payment, and it's definitely something that is probably not attainable. If you do not pay that within the time of like finishing your parole, otherwise known as expiring your parole, they can send you to collections, but you still get to finish your parole. So the mindset of a lot of people that I was around was just don't pay it. Make the minimum payments. That way you can still get your good time credits and you can still expire parole on time. But after that, forget it. What's collections going to do? Ruin your credit a little bit? Who cares? Most of these people's credit were already shot. So if there's no real accountability, why pay it? That was the mindset of a lot of individuals. So, restitution, I hate to say, was already kind of not set up in a, I don't know, any concrete way. Like, it didn't seem to matter to a lot of those people. And on my end, I feel like I'm fairly well-educated. I still don't know how it works. In my state, like, I'm making restitution payments, right, every single month. I write a check, I send it off to parole and probation. Does parole and probation then cut a check to the family? Was the family already paid in full the day of my sentencing? Did it come out of a general fund? That's a guess of mine, it probably did. But I don't actually know. I had a lot of questions come up after the fact and I couldn't quite get answers because I heard a lot of contradictory information. And even the CEOs didn't quite understand like how it all worked out. And I guess that wasn't part of their job because by that point I was already in prison. So they didn't really, you know, need a hands-on working of the accounting system for, you know, the courthouses. But I always wondered, and I have more questions, like, does that family get paid? And if they don't, like, am I, if I fall into say non-payment is that family just without I mean I'd hope not so I don't know the restitution is uh, the whole system set up in a way that I didn't have a full grasp of like a full understanding it would be interesting to see the accounting side of that I'm sure the paper trail of that is very confusing and speaking of confusing I'm going to only briefly touch on Marcy's law But Marcy's Law is a victim's rights law that got created to afford victims of crime additional rights, which I will have a special episode on just Marcy's Law. Um, But the idea of it is good. It is, again, meant to um, protect victims' rights, but the victims already have rights they're victims like they are now having the spotlight of the court and legal system on them trust me they are being given full rights at that point it is the opposite where it's the um, defendant they should also have some rights or at least some consideration uh well with this marcy's law it's actually overridden a lot of the rights that defendants have again Specific to my estate. Don't know how your state's operating. But when Marcy's Law got into full effect, like there was a um, one year, I think this was like 2019, but there was like some update from Marcy's Law specific to our state where they just decided to enforce the financial side of things. So they said, okay, all victims that, had, uh, that have restitution in it, we're going to just drain all the inmates' accounts. So if there was any money in any of the inmates accounts they took all that and put it towards restitution so people that were indigent that said had five six seven dollars in their account or less boom took that all there were people that the second money would hit from their family say thirty dollars forty dollars like hey here's to buy some stuff for the month this is all i can afford that was all taken so inmates were going without food they were going without supplies and it didn't matter It only lasted, I think, three or four months to where they had to repeal that. But none of the money went back to the inmates' accounts. Like, it didn't matter. Like, okay, you know, we did the thing. Fucking so what? (laughs) Just deal with it. And that's kind of why I have some questions. Was that necessary? The money that you guys took from all those inmate accounts, did that then go directly to the families? Like everything you just did, like if that person had $5 and that $5 go directly to their victim? Or did it get it all snatched up and put into the general fund? It seems very tedious to have done a system like that where you just have to write X amount of dollars and X amount of checks every single time there's a payment. So I just don't believe that's how it works. So did you need to do this big thing where you just wiped everybody out? I I mean I've been trying to get some answers like I said after the fact and in my state it's been a weird shakeup because like a lot of crazy stuff's happened uh before COVID, after COVID. Uh like our prison our director of prisons, he got investigated. He actually doesn't work here anymore. So Some of the questions I have are probably pretty valid because he wasn't able to answer a bunch of uh, the federal ones that were getting asked. And, yeah, he's just done. He left. So, this whole restitution thing, already very confusing both emotionally. It's already confusing, like, on the paperwork end, the legal end. There's so many different conflicting interests going on. So, I don't know how to feel. That's actually about where I'm going to wrap up. Because I just, I don't know how to feel. I'm proud of myself. But I'm also ashamed of what I did to get to where I'm at. So, you know, paying a few dollars doesn't fix that. It doesn't relieve how I feel. And... I guess the only thing I can say is thank you for sticking it out with me, guys. Hopefully, if you have any questions, let me know. You know, shoot me an email, leave a little message. But please continue to listen, continue to follow, maybe share a couple of these episodes with somebody you know, and please look out for some updates too to the Podbean uh, site that I have. I'm gonna work on getting some resources out there. You know, I don't know if anyone's. Uh, troubling or in trouble, rather, maybe emotional or whatever, I encourage you to look up some online resources and don't get discouraged if that one or that second one or whatever doesn't work. You just haven't found the thing that will work. So keep trying. And I'm going to work on getting some of those resources on that site. But until next time, guys, thank you again for listening to The Road Less Traveled. My name is DB, and I hope I see you next episode.